I, you know, there's some things I, I'm telling you what's going on today is, I mean, it's still dull, boring, repetitive regurgitation. You're learning nothing new, but it is a fascinating thing to watch in this way, because what they're now doing is they it's so hilarious. Uh, all right. Let me let me backtrack. So over the years I've been in talk radio, I, I got into talk radio because I love talk radio. I, I would stay up late at night, the great pioneers of talk radio. I mean, if you looked in, in Boston, it was a guy by the name of David Brudnoy and Gene Burns and, and WRKO and Jerry Williams and, and all these great broadcasters in New York. It was Barry Gray and John Scheuer, your money man. He did a money show back in the day. And Good Guy Radio, WMCA. I know this doesn't mean a lot to a whole lot of people. My buddy Barry Farber, I quote him all the time. Barry Farber speaks like 33 languages. I was a kid and he'd say, go get, go get your globe, go get your map. And I'd go get it. And he'd say, let me go through every country. And, and what communism has done, I'd get an education. He was so smart. He speaks like 30-some-odd languages. You know, he's the one that always said there's never been a, a country in the history of mankind that has ever accumulated this much power and abused it less. And I very, very humbly add and use that power more for the advancement of the world's the human condition than the United States. Accumulate power, abuse it less, and use that power to advance the human condition. That's what... That's what America has provided the world because our system of governance, you know, predicated on a declaration that that points out that, you know, we hold certain truths to be self-evident. All men are created equal. We're all endowed by our creator. Rights come from God, not from men uh, with certain inalienable rights. Life, liberty, the pursuit of happiness doesn't mean equal results. We're not a perfect country, but in the wisdom of our framers, our founders, they, they designed a system where we will right wrongs and correct injustices. And, and, and we do all the time, thank God, become a, better, a more perfect union, if you will. And I love when the president ends his rally speeches. We are one glorious nation under God. We are one family. We are one America. You know, and we're going to make America strong again, and we're going to make America prosperous again, and, and make America great again, and boom, up comes the music, the Rolling Stones, and you can't always get what you want. Um, amazing crescendo to, to his rallies, I think. Well done. And it's, frankly, what I want for every American. Don't we want every American family member to do well? Isn't it great that we're creating jobs, you know, 8 million? Isn't it great that we didn't, you know, put 13 million more Americans on food stamps, 8 million more in poverty, lowest labor participation. Right now we have the record no, record low unemployment in over half a century. Wow, that's a big deal. Every demographic group in America setting record after record after record. I know the media mob never talks about it. They're never going to talk about it all. They're just not. Anyway, but I backtrack. So I love talk radio and I, I just, I remember when I was a painting contract. Well, first I remember my parents, it wasn't turn the television set off. They'd come in my room. And I mean, my father was pissed. He was angry. He was annoyed. Turn that thing off. I think one time he might've taken it and smashed the radio. I'm just guessing, you know, he's a pretty tough guy. Uh, and I would argue, I know you can't do it in this day and age. And I never hit my own kids. It just wasn't in me. I just, I didn't think it was effective. You take their... They take their stuff, their phone, their 
their Xbox or PlayStation away and forget it. They're they're begging, you know, they to get out of jail in seconds. Um, but you know, he'd hit me with the belt, different place, different time, and I would argue right now didn't hurt me at all, and I earn I deserved it every single time. I deserved it. I was wrong. He was right. He didn't want any. He'd say, "I don't. This hurts me more than it hurts you." It wasn't a cliche. It was all true. But it, that was a particularly annoying thing. And then you know, we lived in a kind of small house. My parents' room were right next to my little tiny bedroom. And every time my father was coming into the room, I he'd be a whole house would shake, and I'd be like, "Okay, turn the radio off. Act like I'm sleeping." All right, he'd go back in his room. I hear. Get back to his bed and go to sleep. Then I'd put it back on again. I know it's terrible, but I did. And But I'd hear these great pioneers of radio. Now, why am I bringing this up? Because I'm watching the Schumer Schiff sham show today. And what are they doing? They're just, it's, they're, they're out of things to say. They're, they're literally just repeating, 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 repeating. We're not getting any new information. They even, they're so desperate, they've gone back now to replaying the opinion witnesses that they handpicked, cherry-picked out of the audition hearings behind closed doors where even Republicans were kicked out of. They, that, I mean, and they're, imagine this. They're replaying the opinion witnesses, you know, even the one guy that said that he, once before he was brought in as an opinion witness that Trump should be impeached because he tweeted out the words fake news. That's that's where they've gone here. Another point, they're putting up the Mueller report. And I'm like, you mean the one that exonerated Donald Trump? That Mueller report? That's how desperate they are. They've got 24 hours. They've got all day today and all day tomorrow to fill. They're filling time. They have nothing to add to this. Not a thing. Everything we know stays the same. And they'll have a big show like when they got started. They knew the the witness battle would come after each side got the 24 hours. After 16 hours of questions, then they get to fight over witnesses. And I assume that will also deal with the issue of executive privilege, which the courts ultimately should and would be brought in to decide. Uh, and if they make a decision, great. If they don't, well, I, I think the case is slam dunk. But you never know. We have a lot of liberal justices. So where's the connection, Hannity? You're talking in circles. No, I'm not. I, all my life, as talk radio got started, Rush Syndicate, I know I started in 1987. It was, and then I remember being, when I first heard about Rush, was in 1988. And I was in this radio station, University of California, Santa Barbara. They ran me out of town, but now they bragged that I started my career there. And they put me down as an alumni. I'm like, no, I'm not an alumni. Um, and anyway, but they, but I was terrible. I'll be the first to. It's a, it's humiliating. But anybody that starts in radio, it's awful. I think the person that captured that the best is is Howard Stern. You know, I, you go to the, I, I watch his movie Private Parts and moving around the city after city. That was me. And you start out in radio. Uh, welcome, we have now have the weather and here. You know, and you want to sound like a big broadcaster and you have no clue what you're doing. And, you know, I, I had listened to all these guys like Bob Grant later in New York. Hey, uh, get off my phone, you creep. And so I tried that for a while. It didn't exactly work out well for me. Um, and eventually you, you start realizing you just got to be yourself. You just have to 
You just have to, you know, you can't fake it for three hours a day. I'm just telling you, your heart comes out. Who you are comes out. You can't fake it. I know because I know people that have tried this. Everyone thinks this is easy. It's not. And as Stern would describe, not only do you go through that process, and then you go through the moving process. Then you deal with these stupid program directors. Oh, my gosh. That couldn't broadcast an hour or second in their life. And, and you got to deal with that aspect of it all. And then eventually you, you find your, your voice. But there's another thing that's similar uh, that I noticed in his movie is like, I don't know what happened. I, maybe I heard him say this in an interview. Is the first time I was on radio, it just started flying out of me. I don't know where it came from. You know, my kids would come up to my radio studio and they'd say, Dad, why are you screaming? Well, the first time the light went on, I kind of like projected. And then the answer I gave him was, well, I'm not really screaming. I'm just like, well, should I do the show like NPR? Hi, welcome to the uh, Sean Hannity show. I just, it, it didn't feel right. It feels like your radio, it's theater of the mind. I got to get your attention. Don't touch that radio dial. That's the point. And you got to, I don't have the ability. TV, I can roll my eyes, I can throw to a sot, you can take a look, you can do this and that. You know, you can't do that on radio. So my point is, so I would listen as I traveled the country, and I remember one fourth of July, I was doing a three-hour show and it didn't have any commercials in it in Huntsville, Alabama, my first professional job. Fourth of July, I had to work, I only had two weeks vacation, and that included holidays. I didn't have off, I worked by the time I left, I was doing the afternoon show and the morning show. And for like 19, 20 grand a year. And I loved it. I was happy. I found my place in life. I didn't think I'd ever make money doing this. I just wanted to do it. My sister called me a loser. She said, you're going to fail when you failed. You got to promise me you're going to go back and, and become a lawyer or something. So, but I'd hear other hosts. I remember I'd always, when I'm traveling, I always put on the radio, AM radio at the time. Now it's AM and FM. And... I'd be listening, and I'd hear hosts struggling. They cannot get phone calls. They're begging. All right, we have one open line now at 1-800-941-SEAN. If you want to call in, we have one open line still, and they go on, and they run out of words to say. It's sort of like the Alec Baldwin tape. Uh, 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 that's interesting. Interesting. Play, play the whole thing. And the point is, what I'm hearing, and by the way, it gets awkward as a listener. You know they're, they're out of stuff to say. You know they're done. You know that they're trying. And then what they usually end up doing is they'll start getting more extreme. And they'll start saying more provocative things. And then more provocative things. And then they'll just go over the line a million times over just to get a phone call. And I remember what, what one Saturday, three-hour, 4th of July show. And by the way, it was so funny. I've talked about this before. People said, well, I was listening that day. It got so bad, I think I remember picking up a, the newspaper because you didn't even have the Internet back then to, for information. I'm limited to magazines and the newspapers, the local newspapers in USA Today. And I remember, oh, let me give you movie reviews. I started doing movie reviews on movies I never saw just to have something to say. I was out of it. I'm like, nobody called. I think I got a call like just at the end of the three hours, somebody bailed me on three straight hours nonstop talking. Now I can talk 400 hours and never stop. But... It's that's what I see in this hearing today. It's hilarious. And when I listen to these local hosts dying on the air, they're dying. You keep listening. It's painful. You know, they're um, in when pain. We come back, uh, uh, oh, we have some time. Oh, great. Well, we're going to uh, when can we take some calls, Ivan? 
Whenever we want. Do we, do we, we have calls that are on there now? Do no calls, calls yet. No calls no yet. No calls yet. What number do people call to get on the air? I mean, do we have that number? It's right there. <clears throat> oh, do I have the call number in front of me? Oh, I'm so sorry. Uh, that's interesting. Interesting. At uh, uh, 1210 at PHT. Of course, any other questions you have, any other comments you have, call us um, to the... Uh, what else? Uh, call us, please, at... Uh, to one five twelve ten. Now, um, if you don't call, we're going to keep reading from the Scientology manual. You might not feel it. You might not feel the energy right now. You might not feel uh, the swell of what's happening here. Do we have any calls yet there, Ivan? No calls. Let's read some more about Scientology. Is Sean Hannity a Scientologist? Alec Baldwin posing the big questions tonight here. Uh, do we have any calls here yet, Ivan? None. Boy, it's just incredible. Unbelievable. Well, you leave us no choice, listeners. That was real. He couldn't do it. And he, uh, a Sean Hannity, former construction worker, ha, can. It's so funny. But that's the point. All I've seen today, they regurgitate. They, they, they're now going back to the Mueller report. They're now playing, replaying the opinion witnesses that think Trump should be impeached for tweeting out the words fake news. It is a spectacular fail. It's like the poor local radio guy that can't get one single phone call. Or Alec Baldwin. He never got a call on that show. At the end, he, he called his mother to be a guest. That's what's going on in Washington. They've got nothing left to say. And they've got two days to fill. Uh, no, it's, it's, I'm loving it. By the way, MSNBC hosts, you know, crazy Area 51, Roswell, Rachel Maddow and company, they're outraged. Democrats are so bored. They're saying fake it for the sake of your country because they're leaving. They can't stand listening to themselves. <laughs> you can't make it up. I see fake news. CNN is canceled next week's Iowa town halls with the candidates. Yes, impeachment is way more important. You know, I'm t- all right. So I would live in a business, thankfully, and I mean this sincerely. I can't do this job. Nobody in radio can do it without you listening and without something called ratings and without uh, great advertisers that we have And the same in TV. And the numbers are in again. Do you realize the network coverage yesterday? It's almost like a cable access channel. These are broadcast networks. One point two million NBC, ABC. That's it. 200,000 in the demo. This is a broadcast channel. I know this is a little inside baseball. That is a spectacular fail. And thanks to all of you, we had by far, you know, four and a half million people last night. No other show. Even these liberal fake news cable news networks, you know, they're averaging what, what, most fake news CNN, like one five and, you know, less than two million at the conspiracy theory channel. And they're, they're so upset over there. You got Area 51, Roswell, Rachel Maddow, and their fellow hosts that Democrats are bored by the impeachment trial, and they're urging them, for the sake of your country, they're out there saying, you know, it's odd. Senators are falling asleep, walking out of the trial prematurely. It's terrible to look to the public to the extent that the news reports are getting out. These are people who are supposed to be listening, hearing, making a decision on what's being presented all day long. We've also heard a lot of people have made up their minds already and not actually taking their oath seriously. For the sake of your country, stay awake and stop walking out. You can't make this up. It's that spectacular a fail. Guess who they're helping? Donald Trump. 
All right, 25 to the top of the hour, 800 Sean, if you want to be a part of the program. I am telling you, I can spot it. I see it. I, it's painful. What, you know, we now have the compromised, corrupt, congenital liar, Adam Schiff back out there. And all he's now talking about Russia. He's like filling time on his show. He's got nothing left to say. And they've got all day today. And then they got all day tomorrow. And I'm just using the example because this is a profession. And you know, I used to always say everyone's got one talk show in them. Apparently, Alec Baldwin doesn't even have a half hour in them based on the two appearances. He was trying to audition to get a real radio talk show. And there's the one incident where he, he literally walked out of his own audition uh, when me and Mark Levin called in and the great one and we tag teamed him. And in all fairness, it was really Mark. I'm going to say it to you know, and he's, he's going after me. He called me a former construction worker hack like Hannity. And I'm like, Sean Hannity. Yeah. Uh, is that Brian Whitman? Hi, Sean. Alex, All right, long start. I don't want to play the whole thing. We've got time. So anyway, uh, he ends up walking out. If you want to get up to the point where he says, I'm out of here, and Brian Whitman's going, uh, Alex. I think uh, we should just play the whole thing. No, don't play the whole thing. Pull up. Just go up we to that point. We need context. People don't it's know this way, story. No, it's way too long. Just go to whatever point I want. When he's walking out and Brian's saying he, uh, he's getting dressed, putting his you, coat you, on. No, no, please don't leave. I'm, no, no, I, okay. I beg of you. I'll take my headphones off. You go ahead. Take I'm, your headphones off. I beg of you not I'm to I'm off leave. the air now, folks. Thank you very much. No, Thank stay you. right there. We're going to be back with the stay right there. Uh, with the uh, No Talent and no, uh, Kevin No, come on, come on, come on. You are a no talent, oh, ignorant no fool from Long Island. You should go back to building houses out in Hempstead. begging for a job. Good luck. Okay, listen, Sean. All right, Sean's hanging up. Come back. Come back. Alec, come back. They're gone. Alec? Alec has uh, walked out of the studio. Alec, please come Please come back. He is uh, in the other room. Alec Baldwin has put on his jacket, and uh, he has left. I just went into the station lobby to the elevator bank to see if I could find Alec Baldwin and ask him to please return to the radio show, but he is gone. Gone. I miss Brian Whitman. He was a great guy. We didn't agree politically, but I remember when I did 11 at 2 when I first came to New York at 11 at night till 2 in the morning, he would follow me, do the 2 to, what, 5 or 6 a.m. show. And I got to know him. He was a great guy. We don't agree politically, but he was fun. He, he was great at voices, entertaining. But that night, that was Alex's first foray into talk radio. Well, me and Levin tag-teamed him, and he walked, he walked out. He couldn't handle it. And then he tried what I, the one I played in the last half hour, begging for calls. So here's Adam Schiff. What's he talking about now? Just, just pot it up for a second. Let's see what he's regurgitating at this second. announced these two political investigations that would benefit his reelection. Oh, my gosh. And just looking at how baseless and fabricated the allegations oh behind them were made plain his corrupt motive. All, there's not a single new thing that you don't know here. Nothing. They got 24 hours to fill. This is just, just beginning day two. I mean, it is that spectacular a fail. fail. And it's the equivalent, I am saying, of a, a, a radio talk show host. And I know I experienced it. I told you it was 1 4th of July, Huntsville, Alabama. I'm on two to five or whatever, three hours I'm on. And I got no commercials that day. None. I think I got a five-minute break at the top of the hour. ABC News. I think that. And that was it. And I'd catch my breath. And I'd be like, okay, here's the number. 
And finally, I remember at some point, I said, I'm not going to beg for phone calls. I'm just going to figure it out. Because I, I thought, you know, I always had phone calls in Huntsville. Always. Never had problems getting calls. Lines were full all the time. I never lived, I, for whatever reason, I've been lucky. But I'd hear these talk shows hosts when I travel around the country. And, you know, some of them were good, but not really that good. And they were trying hard. And it just is, you, you're just compelled to watch because it's so hard. You know that they're dying. It's like a stage act. They're dying. And you're not supposed to watch, but you can't stop watching. And you just want to you keep listening and you keep listening and they keep begging and begging for phone calls. It's this is what the Schumer Schiff sham show is now. It's the same exact thing. And where it gets very amusing to me, I mean, I can go over all the facts again, but I don't really have any new facts to give you. So what's the point? Except, you know, they go through this effort of futility. Any, I don't think anyone in the Democratic Party ever thought through exactly what this means for them and now think of it this way eventually this president's getting acquitted we know how the movie's gonna end but then you've got these fake news networks that have been raising expectations they have done this for three long years we played the impeachment montages 2016 even two days after the president's elected they're all talking about impeachment 2017, impeach 45, impeach 45, impeach 45. Then you got the four investigations. You got the FBI nine-month investigation, Trump-Russia collusion. Nothing. There's no there there. Peter Strzok, Lisa Page, we found nothing in nine months. Then you had the the House Intel investigation. Nothing. No Trump-Russia collusion. Then we've had the bipartisan Senate committee. No Trump-Russia collusion. Ending, culminating, crescendoing with the spectacular fail of all fails because they thought it was going to be the in the Mueller report. We're going to impeach him here. And they put all their eggs in that basket and nothing there. And on obstruction, Barr, Rod Rosenstein, guy who signed the fourth FISA application, the third renewal, nothing, no obstruction. Now, today, I'm watching these guys. Not only are they, they regurgitating right now, right now, they are putting on one of their they're witnesses, hearsay witnesses. They're putting on opinion witnesses. There's only one fact witness that they had, and that was Ambassador Sondland. What did the president say? I want nothing. No quid pro or quo, like Joe. And of course, in the whole process of this, they, they have to ignore quid pro quo Joe and zero experience Hunter. What company on the face of the earth would ever pay any one individual millions and millions of dollars with zero experience? But they're not going to ever talk about that. With the new evidence that the congenital compromised liar, corrupt Adam Schiff put out there. Yeah, he says, Joe and Hunter are innocent. Really? You're not getting the billion. You're not getting it. Uh, unless you fire that prosecutor who's investigating my zero experience son being paid millions. It's on tape. Then you got Hunter on tape on Good Morning America. Uh, what do you know about oil, gas, Ukraine? Nothing. No, no, nothing. Why do you think you, what experience did you have? Well, I was once on the Amtrak board. A 49-year-old adult. He's not a kid. Oh, on the well, there's a lot of experience. Uh, and and why do you think you got the job? I don't know. I, it's a good question why they paid me millions. I don't know. Do you think maybe because your father's the vice president and he's in charge of Ukraine? Yeah. Yeah, that uh, probably. Okay. Why else would you pay him millions, billion, uh, millions of dollars a year? Now, no company would spend millions unless they weren't getting something in return. This is called good old-fashioned intellectual honesty, reasoning, common sense. God gave us a brain. We're supposed to use it.
Every Democrat, every person in the media mob is lying out there. Oh, no, no serious person has ever considered anything inappropriate wrong here. No, you crazy. And now you got even the even the liberal commentators. They're furious at, at everybody. If the trial goes on a long time and they don't collect their paycheck, they're given a meager amount of money. Well, these people's jobs is to do this, they're saying over at Area 51, Roswell, Rachel Maddow's conspiracy TV channel. What's going to happen after they lied about Russia, Trump, Trump, Russia, Russia, Trump, impeach, 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 and they didn't get what they wanted? Guess what the audience did? Well, you set us up. You've lied to us. They left them. Now they're setting them up to think that they're going to get a conviction. They're not getting a conviction. And then it's another spectacular fail. Now, Democrats will be stuck running on their record. What's their record? Nothing except hating Trump. Every second minute hour of every 20 freaking four hour minute day. That's all they do is hate Trump. Now they're saying it's they they need to fake being interested for the sake of your country. Wow. I mean, you, you, you can't make this story up. Everything they try to do to Trump boomerangs back right in their face. And I'm looking at the ratings here from yesterday, and it's like network television is getting 1.2 million viewers and 200,000 in the demo. It's a disaster. If there was public interest and belief in this, then they would be paying attention. But the American people know when they're listening to a host that is repeating themselves, regurgitating old information, and has nothing new to offer. The facts never change, quoting Jim Jordan. Four facts never change. And those facts result in an acquittal. Now Schumer's saying, we don't get witnesses. It will make the value of an acquittal zero. (laughs) Oh, okay. Okay, Chuck. You keep telling yourself that. They've gone out on the deep end, and they have no idea what they're doing. it's, it's, It's pathetic. And the saddest part is it hurts the country. Now we get a little serious for a second. None of this is good for the country. They haven't done a thing to help with peace, prosperity of the American people. They haven't created a job. We know how horrific the Biden-Obama record is. I won't regurgitate that. But, you know, Trump is going to become the first president in history to speak at the March for Life. We saw what the president did with China last week, and we saw what he did at Davos this week. The president has kept every promise. I won't list them. You know them by name at this point. He's kept all those promises. Americans are prospering. We're all doing better as a country. And this is where they are. Now, what's fascinating is, yeah, both Bidens are now scared to death about, okay, well, we'll have reciprocity. If we're going to have guests, what's the reciprocity? Well, we're going to bring in Joe and Hunter. Whoops. Now, Joe Biden is saying, and Hunter's saying, they're desperately scrambling to avoid having to be called to testify. And yesterday's Washington Post, Joe Biden angrily rejecting the prospect of a witness deal. Now the Democrats have backed off about this. Even Lisa Murkowski is complaining about the Democrats' impeachment presentation. Uh, Three days of this, you know, Schumer-Shift-Sham show, you know, key vote in this, never know what Murkowski is going to do. And, you know, telling reporters she's offended by a claim of the House impeachment managers that Republicans are engaged in a cover-up during the trial. I took it as very offensive, she said. I was offended. By the way, Mitt Romney, Susan Collins, Murkowski, all those phony votes, they were, they were all done for political purposes. Lisa, wake up. They hate all Republicans. And in 2022, they're going to go after you. That's, this is the game they played. Not that they deserve it, but that's what they're going to do. 
By the way, it was two years ago today, January 23rd, 2018, that quid pro quo Joe made his, you're not getting the billion unless you buy the prosecutor. You got six hours. Son of a bee, they fired him. We're not going to give you the billion dollars. They said, you have no authority. You're not the president. The president said, I said, call him. (laughs) I said, I'm telling you, you're not getting the billion dollars. I said, you're not getting the billion. I'm going to be leaving here. And I think it was, what, six hours? I looked, I said, I'm leaving in six hours. If the prosecutor's not fired, you're not getting the money. Oh, son of a (laughs) got fired. Today's the two-year anniversary of quid pro quo Joe admitting it all. Remember, the State Department had uh, that official George Cannon raised concerns over Hunter Biden's work, telling lawmakers he was worried about Biden's Hunter Biden's employment with Burisma. Regardless of whether anything is wrong, it looks terrible. Uh, even Ambassador Yovanovitch, who I knew nothing about, who thinks that I was after her. I'm like, you're crazy. Um, barely, I couldn't even say her name in the beginning. Who is it? I don't know. We go back. We, her name was mentioned in passing twice on my show. Well, in terms of preparation uh, for the hearings, there was a question about uh, that uh, and a select answer and affirmed that Hunter Biden's employment with Burisma raised questions. I think it could raise the appearance of conflict of interest. I don't see the, con- the c- compromise, uh, corrupt congenital liar playing that tape back. That's a tape that they could play back for years, you know, years. Rand Paul, 45 senators now ready to vote to dismiss the charges. Well, where's Mitt Romney? Mitt for the sake of the Constitution, I know you may hate Trump. You don't like his style, but he's doing pretty much everything you said you would do if you were elected president. These arguments are putting senators to sleep. I mean, Fox News observed a Democrat in the back row leaned on his right arm, covered his eyes, stayed that way for nearly a half hour. Other lawmakers openly snickering when Schiff said he'd speak for only 10 minutes. Rand Paul passed the time by working on a crossword puzzle. And Elizabeth Warren playing a game on on paper during the proceeding. I guess they're playing hangman or something or tic-tac-toe. 21 GOP senators walked out during his lunatic rant. The uh, Schumer shift show claims that Trump pause in, in aid risk World War Three with Russia. That's how insane this has gotten. Or really World War Three with Russia. And by the way, of course, he got did it again. He made up another fake Trump quote, meaning the congenital liar yesterday mischaracterizing evidence again yesterday, hammering he missed in his new evidence. Zelensky was really Sholevkoski. Whoops. He got the wrong. Give this to Mr. Z. Warning of a U, warning, warning of a Russia attack on the U.S. mainland yesterday. That's how messed up his head is. By the way, he's losing it. He's, he's like in a state of psychosis. He just, I, I mean, boop, 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 boop. He's losing it. And... But these are the people that are doing it. Why would we ever give them power back in 285 days? The thought of that scares the hell out of me. It really does. They say, well, Trump scares me. Trump's, what does Trump scare you for? You know, the world's afraid of him. That's a good thing. A very, very powerful and forceful speech, uh, two and, almost two and a half hours by Adam Schiff, uh, the uh, lead house manager. And Jake, if the president of the United States was aboard Air Force One now, flying back, to Washington from Davos, Switzerland, if he was listening, he heard a very, very strong case from Adam Schiff why he, the president of the United States, should be convicted and removed from office. It was just a very factually based argument, very long, two and a half hours, um, but really 
it, it didn't leave much to the imagination. I mean, Claire, what is the, the state of Adam Schiff's um, sort of reputation and relationships in the U.S. Senate? They are admiring him even if they will never admit it publicly. Wow. He is a really good lawyer. Period. End of discussion. And, and what we're looking at, what I, I really thought was just amazing uh, about Schiff's presentation is he was speaking not just to the 100 people in the room. He was speaking to 100 years in the future. Mm. This is a speech that kids are going to be given in 2060 at, you know, at university projects and things like that. He was saying, this is our democracy. If we cannot have functional impeachments, we don't have a government anymore. So this reminds me of the quote from it's supposed to be Lincoln who said to sin by silence when they should protest makes a coward of men. And you know, that's the, the people who are thinking it's better to stay silent and I can do better by trying to do the right thing. Um, you know, this, uh, this is really a I am Spartacus moment where, you know, people really need to stand up. And I do think I read the same thing, which was that this was a speech really aimed at the better angels. Um, and, and I think Adam Schiff did a really great job. I thought it was dazzling. I thought the way he wove through uh, both the facts of the case and the historical context was really remarkable. It was the second best uh, courtroom address, since it's like a courtroom, uh, that I ever heard after uh, a prosecutor named Jonathan Benedict in the Michael Skakel case in, in Connecticut was the best I ever heard, and it's still the best. But that was when you consider the volume of information he covered using the video, as I think Jake mentioned earlier, um, the, the, you know, the witness testimony, uh, the documents, uh, it's, it's very persuasive stuff. It was meticulous and well-organized. It was grounded in evidence, which he recited and arranged, as you said, in a comprehensive narrative. At times, he tried to rise to a level of eloquence and stir a sense of responsibility for the Senate. Uh, here is an argument made by Adam Schiff in a classic legal fashion, even rising to the level of senatorial eloquence, if there is such a thing. All right, this, I don't know how much I can even I, I just laugh at this madness. The media mob is fawning over all of this garbage. You know, I spent time yesterday, and I want to I go back to what I said. I have now been in radio 31 years in my 24th year at Fox. The only way I get to continue this job is because you give this microphone, you give that camera to me every night. And it's a tough business. No complaints here. I'm, I've been blessed beyond measure. Um, I want to be in this fight every day. There's a lot at stake in 285 days. Uh, what the Democrats, the, the radical leftist socialists, what they have done to this country over this three-year period, you know, a, a three-plus year, never-ending temper tantrum, culminating in their abuse of power, and this unconstitutional display, they have done nothing for we the people. And the only reason I bring this up is I am looking before me at yesterday's impeachment ratings. I have them right before me. Networks. Now, I know most of you probably don't understand. What will somebody get on the Super Bowl? How many viewers are on the Super Bowl? Like Super Bowl Sunday. I mean, election nights, you're going to get close to 50 million people. Maybe 60, 80, whatever it is. The networks like ABC and NBC, 1.2 million. Now, it is so spectacularly low, I, I can't even explain. It may sound inside baseball. In the key demographic, everyone likes to break out demographics. They're in the 200s. 
meaning 200,000. That is exactly the biggest barometer of what a flop. And and then you look at these left-leaning fake news networks and, you know, in prime time, they're averaging slightly higher. Fake news CNN is usually below a million. They're like at a million, million four. Uh, you know, MSDNC, you know, under two million. Okay, they're up a few hundred thousand. That's it. Even their own base is not energized by this madness. Anecdotal? Sure. Is it a barometer? Does it speak volumes? Absolutely. Because I've been doing this 24 years on what are considered big news nights. The audience is there in massive numbers. And I think this tells a very big story and where this is all heading. And the way I interpret it is this is a disaster. And what's going to happen is that when they when when the acquittal comes and it will and then we're back into the election mode, 285 days, you are the ultimate jury and you get to decide if you're going to reward this three year temper tantrum of the Democrats with their allies, state run propaganda, DNC, radical socialist, state run television news. It's not news. It's fake. Anyway. Here are two people that have been uh, working really hard to help the president. The new chairman of the Freedom Caucus, our friend uh, Andy Biggs, is with us. Congressman Lee Zeldin of uh, New York. Uh, Thank you both for being with us. Congressman Zeldin is part of the congressional advisory team of the president. And by the way, he is an attorney and an Army veteran. And by the way, he tweeted out last night, Adam Schiff's trying to write the world's greatest parody, Connecting Dots, not actually connected relying on really bad presumptions, lies, hearsay, and he's putting America to sleep with his uninspiring fairy tale on the floor of the U.S. Senate. Well, numbers don't lie, Congressman. You know, I, I have to live and die by these numbers. I've got I, I to gotta do work hard to put on the best show to get an audience. And by the way, thankfully to this audience, uh, with all their low numbers, you know, they were at 1-2, we were 4-3. That is a big story to me. Yeah, congratulations, Sean. And your your viewers, when they get to tune in, they get the facts. They get the full story. And you're just playing clips of different people who should be wearing skirts and with pom-com, pom-poms cheerleading. They're listening to Adam Schiff, and they're getting talking points. Uh, they aren't critical thinkers. So why would someone who actually wants to know what happened that day tune into some of these other shows when they know that they're not going to get the news, they're just going to get one side of it. And, and as you just you pointed out in, in what I, I had weighed in on, yeah, Adam Schiff, it, it's like Groundhog's Day, and it's happening again right now on the floor of, of the, the, the Senate, where these House impeachment managers are not telling us anything that we haven't heard already. Yesterday was Groundhog's Day, and they're stretching it out. And I don't know if you caught it, but at the did very you, Did be- you notice they're replaying their hearsay and, and <laughs> opinion witnesses video back? I'm like, we already saw this movie. Is that all you got? Yeah, they, they don't give you the, the full context either. So if they want to say Ambassador Sondland said there's quid pro quo, they won't say that Ambassador Sondland said it was a guess. They, they won't say that Ambassador Sondland admitted no one on the planet told him that there was quid pro quo. And when he talked to the president about it, the president told him that, there, that he didn't want anything. He didn't want a quid pro quo. They'll talk about Ambassador Taylor, but they won't mention, they won't put it in the context of, Morrison told Taylor that Sondland told Morrison that Sondland heard Zelensky tell Pence. Are you kidding me? That's your, that's your case? And the last thought I would, I would share is this. You know, the last words 
on the House side, before they sent the impeachment articles over, Jerry Nadler said they proved their case, quote, beyond a doubt. It was uncontested. It was indisputable. And then they spent their first day for 11 hours over on the Senate side arguing procedure where they were talking about item after item after item after item that they don't have yet that they say they need in order to prove their case. So they've totally undermined their credibility where now they're spending up to 24 hours. They're going to use all of it. And I don't know if you caught it, but at the beginning of, of the, uh, the day today, Adam Schiff, if he was cracking a joke, it was one of the worst jokes I've ever heard. He was talking about uh, the, the senators being imprisoned for if they get up and they walk out of the chamber. I'm, I'm, talk, I'm talking about either not being able to read a crowd or tell a good joke. Uh, I, I think that's why people are tuning out, whether they're in the Senate, they're in the media, or they're the American public. Look, I, I mean, I, I call Adam Schiff the compromise, because he's compromised in this case, uh, corrupt because he is corrupt. We know that, oh, we'd love to hear from the whistleblower. Yeah, no, we haven't heard from, well... I, I, I didn't quite tell the truth there, but three years of lying about Russia, 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 and we've got all the evidence. We now have his report versus Devin Nunes's report, and Devin Nunes told us the complete truth. He lied about the dirty dossier. He lied about premeditated fraud on a FISA court. He lied about the bulk of information being the Clinton bought and paid for dirty dossier that the New York Times recognizes now as likely Russian misinformation from the get-go. Andy Biggs, you guys work with him. From my political perspective, as he and Nadler drone on 24 hours of this garbage, regurgitation, repetition, it's crazy. I'm thinking this is the biggest gift in a really weird way for Donald Trump because it is it is a tale of two Americas. One guy in Davos, one guy getting a deal with China, one guy keeping promises and, and them obsessing over hating Trump. Yeah, Sean, that's exactly right. I mean, what you see is, is a dichotomy that I don't know we've ever seen in American politics. The fixation that these guys have had is is a basically an adulterated view of the world. And they think everything revolves around them. And so, so they are still bringing up Russia. I mean, how many times did, did uh, a shift bring up Russia? They're still focused on Russia. They still believe there was collusion in spite of the fact that that was proved wrong. And while they're, they're running in this maze over here, this rat trap, President Trump is running circles around them, uh, actually producing incredible results for the American people. And I'm talking everything from what well, you mentioned, the trade deals, the, the USMCA, the China trade deal. Uh, the, the speech he gave in Davos, by the way, is probably his best speech ever. It's the most optimistic speech you will find. Um, he's done uh, incredible things with the federal judiciary. Look, he's got he's appointed more than a third uh, of federal judges now. And I li- I'm in the Ninth Circuit, and the Ninth Circuit is by far the craziest. And I thought we'd never see this, but we now have a majority of the judges in that in that circuit that have been appointed is, by is Donald Trump. Is that so is that now fantastic. confirmed? Now is is. Is, is it a full, complete switch? Because we all often talk in this program, uh, uh, Congressman, about how the left goes judge shopping. And that means they'll, they'll bring a case in California before a liberal judge or maybe Seattle or Portland and, or maybe even Hawaii, knowing that when the appeal takes place, it goes to the Ninth Circuit, which has been reliably left liberal for a long time. Well, Sean, there's still some meat on that bone because the Ninth Circuit is is lopsided. We're, we're more than three times as big as the next closest circuit. So we have uh, literally dozens of judges. So if you want an en banc hearing, which is technical term for a full panel, you, you don't get it. They will pull names out of the hat. And you can still get stuck with 
uh, uh, nine or ten liberal judges reviewing your case, instead, even though you might have a majority of Trump appointees on that bench. Now, we've still got to take care of the Ninth Circuit, but, but I mean, I never thought we'd get a majority on there, and this is fantastic. All right, good news moving forward. A big part of the president's promise kept, which, again, nobody in the mob and the media, state-run TVs ever even discussed any of it. What's going to be unbelievable is, remember when the Mueller report was a dud? That was now the fourth investigation, Trump-Russia collusion. All of a sudden, liberals that loved their fake news networks recognized they'd been lied to, and they went away. And many of them still haven't come back. Now, when this becomes a spectacular fail, what does that do? How do you ever trust these people again? We've been right for three years, and the IG report was full vindication. Right as we continue, Congressman Andy Biggs, chairman of the Freedom Caucus, Congressman Lee Zeldin in New York. Okay, I'll start with you, Congressman Andy Biggs. How does all of this play out? Because we have to look at every event now through the prism of the election November 3rd in 285 days. How do you think or do you think it even impacts the race? I think this has a tremendous impact on the race. In fact, uh, Schiff kind of let the cat out of the bag when he started talking about the 2020 election. Um, I think President Trump is stronger than he's ever been. And I think he's going to have some tremendous coattails, and that's necessary for us to take back the House. There's no, uh, I mean, we'll do, we'll have the same frustrations we have now if President Trump is elected and we don't take the House back. And I think we're in, in uh, getting stronger and stronger in taking the House back because simply what you've, what you've discussed, people are disgusted with this process. Even my Democrat friends in my own district will tell me they're disgusted with this. This is really uh, they've overplayed their hand in a uh, it's, most it, it's, way. The whole thing's been yeah. awful for the country, too. I mean, uh, Congressman Zeldin, how do you think this impacts the 2020 race? We've got about 30 seconds, and why can't you talk Pete King into staying into Congress? Because I'm trying. Oh, man, he's been there for almost 30 years. He's ready to move on. He's got grandkids. and, and Okay, uh, I really don't want to hear it. I said, okay, he still needs to serve his country. That's it. Force him to do it. Will you do me a favor? Yeah, you got it. I would say we got to hold that seat. Uh, you're familiar with that exactly. seat on the south shore of Long Island. Voted for him for a while, and we got to make sure that we carry it. And the president carried that district by nine points. Well, very, very important. I think all of this is going to impact the 2020 race. This is the biggest. This is America on the brink here, and the world with it, because as America goes, so goes the rest of the world. Uh, Congressman Zeldin, thank you. Congressman Andy Biggs, as always, thank you. When we come back, more details. More that you won't get from the media mob. We'll also get a lot of your calls in. And the other news of the day that we've got to begin to start hitting, and our friend Vince Ellison and Daryl Parks, how real is this new large support with the African-American community for the president? We'll get to that straight ahead. Within a month of being given the Ukrainian portfolio, the vice president's son is hired by Burisma, one of the most corrupt companies in the Ukraine, at a fairly exorbitant salary. They also, Burisma, hires John Kerry's stepson, and on and on and on. The point is that the prosecutor, who I think was corrupt, opened up a case in May of 2014 against Burisma, raided the president's home, Burisma's president's home, in February of 2016, and six weeks later, seven weeks later, was fired. In 2015, the president of Burisma, Zolcheka, 
was named by our ambassador as somebody Ukrainian prosecutors should look at for corruption. The person who followed the fired prosecutor dropped the case against Burisma. I don't know. Doesn't pass the smell test to me. Why are you paying Hunter Biden? You can say they're corrupt, but they're not stupid. Does it make sense to hire the son of the guy in charge of the portfolio for the American government? And from the time they raided the president's home, Joe Biden called the president of the Ukraine four times, got on a plane, and said, if you don't fire this guy, you don't get the billion dollars. I love Joe Biden, but I can tell you, if the name was Trump, there'd be a lot of questions asked. So what I want out of all this, I want the public to understand that the claims they're making that there's no there there in Biden's, nobody's looked, somebody should, and I've looked, and I've got a lot of questions. Were they buying insurance by hiring Hunter Biden? Because they sure as hell wasn't buying expertise. If the House manager's case is based on the allegations of corruption concerning Hunter Biden and Joe Biden being a sham, then it is directly relevant, and I gotta say, the need for the Senate to hear the testimony of Hunter Biden and the need for the Senate to grant the White House lawyers the ability to take that testimony has become all the more relevant. In the list that you gave me of the reasons why you're on that board, you did not list the fact that you were the son of the vice of course, president. Yeah, no, I, what I, role do you think that played? I think that it is impossible for me to be on any of the boards that I just mentioned without saying that I'm the son of the vice president of the United States. You were paid $50,000 a month for your position? Look, I'm a private citizen. One thing that I don't have to do is sit here and open my kimono as it relates to how much money I make or make or did or didn't. But it's all been reported. If your last name wasn't Biden, do you think you would have been asked to be on the board of Burisma? I don't know. I don't know. Probably not. I, I don't think that there's a lot of things that would have happened in my life that uh, that if my last name wasn't Biden. I mean, I can't get over it. 24 now till the top of the hour. 800-941-SEAN if you want to be a part of the program. Uh, is there a demographic shift? Are minority Americans now moving towards Trump? Every indication is there is. We'll debate that with uh, Vince Ellison. He's such a powerful speaker. And, and Daryl Parks coming up. I, I, I Linda I, drives her crazy. I, I cannot get over this. I can't get over this spectacular, this this incredible, abil- breathtaking hypocrisy of the left as it relates to quid pro quo Joe and zero experience Hunter. I mean, look at what Hunter just said. I'm not going to get into how much I'm getting paid and it's all made by. I didn't take a penny from China. Lying. He's got all, uh, and his lawyer has to come to his rescue. Well, he hasn't cashed in his equity share yet. Oh, okay. How much is the equity share? I think Peter Schweitz, we asked him, I think he said like $20 million. The president all has these- repeatedly said that you received $1.5 billion from China, despite no experience and for no apparent reason. Obviously, fact checkers have said that that is not true. Look, this is literally, has no basis in fact in any way I, have you received any money from no. business dealing no at all no money but he got the deal and apparently there's an equity share okay follow-up question how much is your equity share worth at this moment i'm not gonna answer i i don't need to sit here and answer this well do you have any experience in energy no oil no gas no why do you think you were chosen uh i don't know i worked at amtrak once on a board Okay, um, 
And why would any company ever pay millions and millions and millions of dollars to somebody with zero experience? This does get to the heart of it now, doesn't it? And then how does a vice president take a billion of your tax dollars and brag on tape saying you're not getting the billion? You're not getting the billion unless you're fired the prosecutor that he knew the New York Times told him was investigating his zero experience on being paid millions. You're not getting the billion. Ask Obama, which, by the way, raises a whole other question. Oh, so Obama was going to back up the shakedown of Ukraine? What, what did, did Obama agree to that? He was so confident when he said it. And you, But if you're a liberal and you, you're talking about quids and pros and quos and, and all this crap they're regurgitating, they're so desperate to fill time today, as I've been saying. They're now, they're now putting up the special counsel report. Okay, the special counsel report. Uh, the president, we know, is exonerated for the fourth time. And then they're actually replaying their opinion witnesses, not Jonathan Turley, though. They're replaying the opinion witnesses, you know, like the one opinion witness that thought Donald Trump should have been impeached because Donald Trump once tweeted out the words fake news. Wow, there's a real reason for impeachment. There's a real expert that we really need to rely on as somebody that's had an absolute genius. The whole thing is so sick. It's so upside down. It is so 1984 George Orwell-ish. It is so incomprehensible to me. It defies any intellectual honesty. It defies a, a, a willingness to take on breathtaking hypocrisy. They've got to know somewhere inside their brains. I'm, I usually know when I'm being a jerk or wrong or I do something stupid. I, usually my brain lets me know I'm wrong. And if I need to, I even apologize. It's so, but but it's sort of like a mass hypnosis. Their hatred of Trump is so deep, it justifies them being the biggest phony hypocrites on the face of the earth. It it, it I can't get over it. My staff is looking at me. You I'm, you know I'm making the right point here because I know in your brains you can't get over it either. And I think that that's how much they hate Trump. They hate Trump so much. They're, they, we, you so shocked the world four years ago, and in 285 days you have, you become the ultimate juror. You get to shock the world again. By the way, worth the price of admission. That they, that they, they're willing to do this, and for three plus years, the, the conspiring, the conniving, the lying, the slanders, the smears, the besmirchment. The never-ending, we got him, 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 Russia, Russia, Trump, Trump, stormy, stormy, asshole, 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 oh my gosh, oh my, faint outrage. Now, what did I say yesterday? Now, why do I have hope that in 285 days things are going to work out well? Well, I, I don't have a crystal ball. I don't know. I'm, I think I was relaying this to the comments that Elise Jordan and, uh, you know, liberal Joe made on his show. And I read about him and I didn't see the I didn't see the segment. I think it was on Mediaite. And I'm just looking at it and oh, they're all living in a Fox News bubble. If they don't if they think Trump could ever win again. And maybe I'm in that bubble, I guess. I try not to be in a bubble. I try to really look at things objectively. And so my intellect, the intellectual side of my brain, where there's any intelligence whatsoever, the minor bit that might exist in there, says to me, OK, well, what usually drives elections? Peace and prosperity. That's you want to cut it down to just the, the bare bones here. 
peace, prosperity, traditionally, historically, govern what happens during elections. Okay, now Trump has now just begun his fourth year. Now, are you better off than you were three years ago? Now the question will be in 285 days, are you better off than you were four years ago when you first voted to give me this opportunity to serve you as president? By every measure, I won't regurgitate them all. By every measure, I would argue yes. Foreign policy, caliphate, Baghdadi and associates, Soleimani, no bribing of mullahs and dictators. Uh, even, I think, I, I think he made a ton of progress with Little Rocket Man. You know, he was excoriated for saying the words, oh, I'll sit down with anybody. I never thought that was a bad thing, as long as he doesn't bribe them, as long as he doesn't allow them to get nuclear weapons, as long as he's saying, hey, look, you want to join the free world? We can have a better world for you. I'm happy with that. Got, let's see, the remains of uh, Americans killed in Korea from the 50s back, rockets stopped being fired every other second over Japan and, and creating instability in the entire region. And threatening the entire region. That stopped. We got hostages back. You know what? What did the president give Kim Jong-un? Time. All right. He said, I'll talk to Putin. I'll talk to the mullahs. I'll talk to the Taliban. I'll talk to anybody. Not going to give you what you're used to getting, but let's talk. And maybe by talking, maybe we won't have endless wars, which the president has kept that promise. Everything economically, I've gone through that. All the other promises the president's kept. So, okay, we are better off. I would argue by every measure. I can't think of one we're not better off. Then the next question, is the president maintaining the support that he had in 2016? Now, I would argue that that support is stronger. Why do I say that? Because I think what they're doing and what they have done for three years to this president, duly elected, everything from deep state gate and FISA abuse and dirty dossiers and spying on a candidate, a transition team and a presidency, uh, and four investigations, no Trump-Russia collusion, now this Ukraine nothing with total hypocrisy of, of quid pro quo Joe and Hunter, I think the president's base, I think they're like me. I, I, the more they attack him, the more I like him. The more he fights back, the more I like it, because they deserve it. They don't deserve the power that they're asking to get. So I don't think he's lost much support. I think, if anything, I think the president's base is and shall remain, and I hope it remains energized. Rightly so. A great injustice has occurred here. His entire presidency. Maybe he may end up being the only modern day president with a with a better second term than a first term. Usually all of this crap happens in a president's second term. I think it might be different from him. At least I got a hope, or they're just gonna keep impeaching him endlessly, which is why you need the House and the Senate back in Republican hands. Then I look at other things. All right, those poll numbers that we talk about, and we're going to have a debate about this, eight polls, not outliers, real polls. President support in the African-American community, 34.5%, 34, 33, 30, 28, 22, the lowest 16. 16 would be twice the number of African-American votes the president got in 20, 2016, if he got those votes in 2020. Yeah, I think that... The pe people in it that are now setting records for with unemployment and they're doing better. The eight million Americans that now have new jobs, the the eight million uh, fewer Americans on food stamps, the, the 10 million out of poverty. Yeah, I think all of those those things will factor in. And I think that he's kept his promises and kept his work. I think that means something. So the bottom line for me is we are living in very, very very strange times and that is we now have a tale of two americas you got the one impeachment 
hate, rage, psychosis, do-nothing Democrats that want to institute the New Green Deal and Medicare for all and no choice. Totally can't afford any of it. Then you got the president and his record. Feel good about it. I think it's, you know, but it's a tipping point. This is America on the brink. I shudder to think if they get rewarded for this, what this country will turn into. You are the ultimate juror. 285 days, you have a chance to shock the world again. I hope you'll take advantage of it. We'll continue. Oh, I see. Here's Chucky Schumer again. Well, McConnell and Trump, what they wanted to do is never even have the trial and never even uh, consider witnesses. They wanted to dismiss it originally because of the pressure you're talking about, because even in one poll, 64 percent and one poll uh, plurality, 48 to 44 of even Republicans. And, you know, rank and file Republicans almost always side with Trump, but they wanted witnesses. It pushed. They had to kick the can down the road and delay the issues of witnesses. I think we made progress the last few days in the focus on witnesses yesterday when I offered those amendments and the Republicans had to vote on them and their constituents saw exactly where they were. We made more progress today and it's going to be a process. Do Am I certain we'll succeed? far from it stay right here for our final news roundup and information overload the unemployment rate is now less than 3.5 percent and at 3.5 percent that's a number that is the lowest in more than 50 years the average unemployment rate from my administration is the lowest for any u.s president in recorded history we started off with reasonably high rate For the first time in decades, we are no longer simply concentrating wealth in the hands of a few. We're concentrating and creating the most inclusive economy ever to exist. We are lifting up Americans of every race, color, religion, and creed. Unemployment rates among African Americans, Hispanic Americans, and Asian Americans have all reached record lows. African American youth unemployment has reached the lowest it's ever been in the history of our country. African-American poverty has plummeted to the lowest rate ever recorded. The unemployment rate for women reached the lowest level since 1953, and women now comprise a majority of the American workforce. That's for the first time. All right, that was the president in Davos as the world and world leaders and business uh, leaders Convene this week while the Schumer Schiff Sham show uh, was going on solemnly and prayerfully in the U.S. Senate, regurgitating over and over and over and over again the same dull, boring lies and talking points. Uh, it is a a pretty spectacular example illustration of the two Americas we're describing. You know, they had their shot. I've given these statistics all the time. 13 million more Americans on food stamps, 8 million more Americans in poverty. The lowest labor participation rate since the 70s. Worst economy, worst recovery since the 40s. Lowest home ownership rate in 51 years. And, yep, took on more debt, Obama and Biden, than every other president. All 43 presidents before them combined. Uh, And now what do we have? Well, the president, on January 20th, just began his fourth year. Three years in office. We have the best employment situation since 1969. We have record low unemployment for every demographic in America. 
and that would be African-Americans, one record after another. Uh, Hispanic Americans, same thing. Asian Americans, women in the workforce, youth unemployment, African-American youth unemployment. And add to that the promises made. Trade deal, China, $220 billion two years, helps farmers, our service industry, our auto industry, our energy sector, and our manufacturers. Wow, American workers, two years, $220 billion, and no more stealing intellectual property. Then Japan trade deal, then Canada trade deal, a bigger trade deal with Mexico. Oh, I guess we could spend the extra money now on the wall. Uh, then our European partners, energy independence, the president's building the wall. He reappropriated the funds. Now the court ruled he can use it. And he's building. And he's building. And they expect 400 miles of new wall by the election day, November the 3rd, in 285 days. Conservative justices. Biggest tax cut in history. And, yeah, the biggest uh, amount of deregulation, ending burdensome regulation in the last century. Wow. Pretty good record, I'd say. Anyway, joining us now, Vince Ellison is with us. Uh, columnist, lecturer, author of the book The Iron Triangle, Daryl Parks, managing partner, Parks and Crump. He also is the former attorney for Michael Brown and Trayvon Martin's family. Uh, welcome, both of you. Let me start with you, Daryl Parks. I'm going to ask a very simple question. Just looking at the data, three years, Donald Trump in the books, and now we see African-Americans now, eight separate polls show support in the African-American community for the president at 34 and 33%, 33%, 28%, 22%, 16%. He only got 8% in the 2016 election. That is, these are not outliers. These are mainstream polls. They're all showing a story. Something's going on. Do you think that the African-American vote can go to Donald Trump. Are these, are these numbers a preview of coming attractions in 285 days? You know, Sean, up until yesterday, I probably wouldn't have had an answer for you, right? But I had the most interesting experience in a barber shop in suburban Atlanta. And I asked some guys who were they supporting, and they expressed great support for President Trump. Now, let me tell you what their reasoning was, though. They like his style. They like his brashness. They like the fact that he stands up and fights some aspects of our government. Now, let me say, I didn't agree with them, but it was interesting to hear their viewpoints of what made President Trump appealing um, to them. And, now, let me ask um, you, did, did, did they know who you were? I mean, you're a pretty famous guy. You've been on TV they, a lot. They, 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 you know, in fact, they didn't know who I was. In fact, the barber who cut my hair, I was showing. I'm actually in the um, Anquan Bolden NFL commercial that, that's aired right now. That oh, aired really? That Sunday, right? Yes, yeah. I am. And um, But they, they didn't recognize me from that. And, and I, as you know, I don't brag about who I am. But they didn't recognize who I was and didn't know who I was. But I was just getting their perspective because I do think it's important when you're out in the world in certain situations to ask people what they're thinking. And for that brother to give it's me his funny. perspective about what made President Trump so appealing to him uh, was very eye-opening for me. You know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm fascinated by you saying this. And so I go to these two guys in uh, Syosset. They're Russian immigrants, the greatest guys in the world, and they've got the best barbershop I've ever been to. And when I, I go see these guys, we have the greatest discussions, but it's a barometer. You know, uh, Vince, when you go there, it's pretty amazing. You do pick up a lot. You know, there's a song by uh, Sarah Evans, Biddy's in the beauty shop, gossip going nonstop. It's not much different in the barbershop. 
you're exactly right. Uh, um, um, uh, and the brother's correct. I was, uh, I do what he, he does. I go to the real world and I talk to people every day, every day. Yesterday I had some, uh, two young black men come to my home. They were putting in like cables and we sat down and had a great conversation and they were the same exact way. I asked them about Trump, asked them what was going on. They were, they were supporters. They uh, uh, liked the uh, fact that they were working. They liked the fact that the economy was doing well. They liked the fact that uh, they could take care of their families. And something is happening out, out here, Sean, and it's very, very good. Now, the people that aren't happy about this are some of those people on the left, because what's good for black America usually is pretty bad for them. Uh, they have to keep black people afraid. They have to keep them, make them feel that they are under attack by the right. And this is how they're going to get their votes. Be very cautious now because something's going to start happening very, very soon. They're going to start digging, and they're going to start digging. I remember this um, episode from House of Cards when Frank Underwood uh, was trying to break that teacher strike, and it wouldn't, and they just wouldn't budge. Yeah, so he had I remember to get something. He had to get something started. So he sat and waited, and he waited by his phone, and it rang. He said no. He rang again, no. And then finally, he got the call he wanted, and he showed up in a black a ghetto beside a black mother. And he said that and a black child has just been killed. And he stood there with the mother. And he said, see, if this child had been in school, this would never happen. This strike has to end. And they broke the strike. So he sat beside his phone and waited for a black child to die. And in America, this is what the liberal left press will do. They're going to wait. And they're going to wait. And they're going to look for that magic bullet. And that magic bullet is going to be a white person killing a black person. And then they're going to put it on everything and say, see, white people hate black people. Black people fear white America. Go back to the ghettos and vote Democrat. We'll protect you. We'll make sure that you're okay. That's always the trap. They do it every single solitary time. And look out for it. It's coming. Well, I, listen, I have chronicled, coming. Vince. I, you know, you can go back to 98, a, a Democratic Party ad in Missouri. Uh, if you like Republicans, uh, black ch uh, churches are going to burn. Or crosses right. are going to burn. Um, the 2000 James Byrd ad. Well, it's like my father was killed all over again uh, because George Bush didn't support hate crime legislation. No, he mm -hmm. didn't. But he supported the death penalty for the evil perpetrators that dragged this innocent man to his death. He supported the death penalty. That was dishonest. Or Al Gore going out there in front of predominantly black audiences and, and changing his tone, his pitch, his cadence, mm -hmm. and, 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 and I guess doing his best to sound like he's a preacher. And Republicans have the wrong agenda for African-Americans. They don't even want to count you in the census. Uh, okay, I don't want to ever be friends with anybody that's racist. And I don't know these people that he's talking about. And they, that lie happens over every two, four years. Republicans are racist, sexist, misogynist, homophobic, xenophobic, Islamophobic. They want dirty air water. They want to kill grandma and grandpa. But first they let them live a couple of years eating dog and cat food. It's just a lie. And well, the question here. Well, there's a purpose. Yeah, because but, but now here's the question, though. Every big city that has been run by liberal Democrats for decades. What do we see, Vince? Oh, man, you're, you're seeing crime. You're seeing murder. You're seeing uh, poverty, and here's the thing. The funny thing is that every time we show up and say, hey, these schools are failing. They've been failing for the last 20 years. Let's find a way to get these children out. The Democrats are the ones that block it. If we say, hey, the jobs are leaving here, that they, uh, the people aren't getting jobs, let's run the illegals out so that these uh, uh, entry-level jobs can be given to the people in the community, the, the, the liberals are the ones that stop it. 
when we say, hey, let's bring the family back together, let's find a way to set up programs so that the father can be in the house, the liberals are the ones that stop, that stop it. It was interesting to read the book, and the wall chain came tumbling down by Ralph, Ralph Abernathy. Ralph said that when he went to the Black Caucus to try to get them to get black people off welfare, he found something very, very curious. He said they wanted them on welfare. They wanted three or four generations of black people stuck in government programs so they could control them. This is from Ralph Abernathy. This is not from me. This is from Let the man that marched with Martin Luther King. He said it. I, I think President Trump was on the sun with creating the opportunity zones, but I want to see him expand that. I think the major need we're seeing right now in the African-American community is on two fronts. Housing. We, we have a major housing issue that we really could use his help on. Secondly, I think on educational opportunities. I, I was almost encouraged when I saw him go to the Historical Black College in Columbia, South Carolina, as part of his outreach. I thought that would have been a great opportunity for him to really launch a major HBCU effort to help HBCUs and the students who are there who are struggling. And so I hope, would love to hear something from him that deals with some real sincere help. Well, let me ask you this question. When we look at the African-American unemployment rate, and then there's another issue. All these presidents that had promised prison reform, because you know what? There has been a disparity in sentencing in this country. And I'll never forget the day Alice uh, Marie Johnson came out and the president uh, gave her a pardon at the request of Kanye and Kim Kardashian. But then the president didn't stop there. Then he put in prison reform specifically to to eliminate disparity or racial disparity in sentencing that has occurred in this country and right some wrongs here. Uh, Nobody else ever did that. Um, Will you will you acknowledge Daryl Parks? Are African-Americans better off under the presidency of Donald Trump or are they better off under the presidency of Barack Obama with Joe Biden? Let me say this here. I, I love what the president has done on prison reform. Hey, hey Vince, this is, Sean, gonna, Sean, this is what he's going to this is what he's going to not answer my question. Yeah. But go ahead, Daryl. Let, 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 let me finish. Let me finish. No, guys, guys, listen, listen, listen. I think that's a great start. However, Sean, when the president has made his, his legacy, he's going to appoint super conservative judges, right? You and I know both know that most judges who tend to be super conservative tend to be very heavy in sentencing. And so, yes, we're doing good in the left hand, but if we're appointed judges that we know are going to be heavy-handed in the sentencing, then where does that go? But what, we, what, I mean, what we're talking about now, right now, are black people better under Trump than they were under Obama or Biden? It's a very simple uh, question with a very, very simple answer. I don't know why you won't answer it, because I'll answer not, it in the I'll tell you, we'll pick it up on the other side. Hang on. Ugh, I hate when people don't answer questions. All right, as we continue, Vince Ellis and Daryl Parks. All right, Vince, state your question simply. Daryl, you have a minute and a half to answer. Uh, Daryl, please. That's, that's what I just want to answer. Are African-Americans better under Donald Trump than they were under Biden and Obama? Plain and simple, I disagree. Yes no, I, no I, I, I disagree. I, I think unemployment failed more on Obama and that the economy growth that we experienced right now is the same as that was on Obama. And that, that's my interpretation of it. Now, this is this, uh, 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 Sean, you know you're doing well when somebody's trying to take credit for your work, right? Yeah. This is Donald Trump's work. Donald Trump put the work, and he's proud of it. And even though 92% of black people voted against him, he's working every day, and he stands up every day and tells us what he's done for us. Obama said, punish your enemies. Donald Trump would, uh, Obama would have seen black people as enemies if they had voted 92% against him. Donald Trump still sees them as, as Americans. He said he will be a president for all Americans, and he's doing that. He's 
trying to better the educational system by trying to get school choice. He's lowering uh, the unemployment rate. Uh, 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 income has gone up. Uh, he's letting people out of prison that have uh, been there too long. Every time he does something, he's doing something for black people. And they're going to call Donald Trump a racist. If Donald Trump uh, adopts 100 black children, cures sickle cell anemia, and marries Angela Davis, they're going to call him a racist tomorrow. That's the only thing they have. And it's something that cannot be I'm not calling him a racist. That's, that's not what I'm on this phone doing today. That's not the All point. Right, I gotta, but I do, but, but I do think I got to let it go here, guys. I wish I had more time, but thank you both. Vince Ellison, his book, The Iron Triangle, Daryl Parks, 800-941-SHAWN. You want to be a part of the program? Quick break. When we come back, by the way, have you been watching this Weinstein trial? Taking all these weird twists and turns. Uh, it's uh, it, the, the things that people are saying is so repulsive. Uh, it, it's incomprehensible to me. All right, 25 to the top of the hour, 800-941-SHAWN. You want to be a part of the program. Um, uh, L- Linda, have you been following... I mean, there's a huge, big, long, like six pages in the New York Post today uh, on this whole Harvey Weinstein thing. So the the trial started yesterday and the prosecutor, I mean, I'm, I'm watching this. This is how it started. He, he's they described as a sex fiend exploiting his power, being a movie mogul, quote, the casting couch whole issue, needing a boost from an erectile dysfunction drug, apparently a needle of. Of, of some kind, which I know not what they're talking about. 67 years old, you know, the, the district attorney in this case is an assistant DA named Megan Hast. Opening comments were brutal, a sexual predator and a rapist. The man seated on that side of the courtroom, despite what your eyes are looking at, is not a harmless old man. And he tells the seven man, five women jury displays photos of Weinstein with Bill Clinton at a fundraising event described him as a power broker in Hollywood who manipulated naive and experienced women that he chose to target. And she graphically describes a series of attacks of six women, including three whose claims form the basis of rape, criminal sex acts, predatory sexual assault charges that will send this guy to prison for the rest of his life. The other three women are slated to bolster the case by testifying about his alleged M.O., Earliest incident dates all the way back to the winter of 93 when she said he violently and forcibly raped and orally assaulted one particular woman, a Brooklyn native who was known for her best role in The Sopranos. And anyway, apparently, and it just describes in detail. Now, the attorneys are saying, oh, we've got tons of these emails, I guess, that they they got um, from, I don't know, if I guess from... The, the women, I guess, over time, it's that were loving emails they're claiming. Um, I just don't know how this plays out, except that when there's this much smoke, I, I, I how is there not fire? You know what I mean? And I'm, I'm the due process guy. I'm the presumption of innocence guy always. But I'm reading this. I get sick to my stomach to think that there really are in life people like that. I'm not I'm not pleading he's guilty here. Doesn't look good for him in any way, does it? Except that they're saying, well, we have these emails from some of the people that are making these allegations, you know, professing their love for him. Is it? Do we know if it's every one? No, it's supposed to be like does it literally there's an ABC News report on this and it says dozens and dozens and dozens. So I would say if it's that many dozens, we know there's at least 36 of them. Right. But I think at the end of the day. There's 80 people that have accused him. So even if they have dozens and dozens of letters, that does not make him not guilty. That's for sure. I, I mean, that's the point. I mean, is it is it possible 
Because what they're trying to do in this case and what the headline is saying that they're trying to do in this case is use the accuser's own words against them. That's that's what they're basically saying here. And in other words, that these letters, quote, and there's a whole article in the New York Post, Harvey Weinstein will use accuser's own words and everything from emails to interviews to counter allegations that their victims of sexual assault instead uh, portray the relationships as consensual during the opening statements. His lawyer detailed a series of communications between him and I don't want to mention the women in this case either. Uh, that he allegedly raped in 2013. Six months later, she sent Weinstein an email, including her saying, miss you, big guy. An email in 2017, the contents of which they displayed, uh, I love you, I always do, but I hate feeling like a booty call, smiley face, and stuff like that. I It it, it definitely muddies the waters. You mean, It's I don't strange. Know. So there's 80, there's like 80 women that are, you know, accusing him of sexual assault in varying degrees. Then there's six women well, that's that are That's what actually... makes me say smoke fire. No, no, no. Know? Listen, there's 80 women. It's, it's right. a lot. I mean, clearly this man has a problem and something has happened. And, you know, there's evidence of these things. And there are people that are going to present their cases. And, and that's why we have a court of law so we can hear both sides and make an educated, informed decision. But I think it's, it's just it's just hard as a father to know that there are creepy men out there everywhere. Oh, just take a, the subway, my friend. Well, Let's find him every night. You know the story about. Remember, I, I don't want to mention her name. Remember the girl that worked on my show. This was many yeah, but years that wasn't. Ago. That didn't just happen to her. That happened to everybody on this oh, show. She was just the only one that made a scene out of it. I, I mean, I mean, you read about this stuff all the time. And the worst part is they let these people out of jail. Oh, no bail in New York. Uh, you don't have to pay. But you you don't get put in jail. You don't get bail. You just get out. It's nuts. Uh, all right, let's get to our phones. A lot of you have a lot of questions here. I just hope whatever the truth is that we get to the truth. And if he victimized these people this way, never let this person out again. And I, I'm, I know where my gut is on this. I, there's so much smoke here. Something just stinks to high heaven in every way. And to think that there are predators out there that would do this to our daughters and our wives and our moms and our grandmoms. It's just, you know, it's horrible. It's stuff in life you never, ever want to even think about. Uh, all right, let's get to our phones. The important swing state, Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania will be looking very hard at what you do in 285 days. Keith, hi. How are you? Glad you called, sir. Hi, uh, Sean. Hey, we're ready for the battle. Hey, uh, two quick things. Obama knowingly lied to the world about Benghazi. He knowingly lied to this country about Obamacare. He had Fast and Furious, et cetera. Not one Republican ever uttered the word impeach him. The second point I want to make is you talked about Biden's brother and all the money that we're giving to these foreign countries, billions and billions. We are borrowing that money. The interest on that debt, we don't even know what it is, but I'd love to see that debt clock on Fox behind you and Tucker and everybody else. So we have a constant reminder. It's crazy to borrow billions and billions of dollars, a million dollars a minute we're borrowing, and then give all this money away free that we don't have, and we're saddled with the interest in that increased debt. Listen, we have got to, at some point, point. I know the president's addressed this. Now, we had this massive military deficit. We do need to build the next generation of weaponry. It's not cheap to be able to take out the caliphate the way we did in Syria or pinpoint a guy like Soleimani and, and Baghdad Airport and take him out. It's a dangerous, evil world, as I was discussing. And so we've we've got to kind of balance that. But we one thing that is happening with a growing, prospering economy, and I think the real answer is probably in the energy sector. Now that we're energy independent and a net exporter, 
we have so many resources available to us. Now even the Chinese are going to be buying from our energy sector that I think that is the path to prosperity and the end of bankruptcy and deficit spending. And no, the president has not been able to tackle it in his first term. He has said, I, I know I talked about the penny plan. I heard him not that long ago mention the nickel plan. Um, I'd love to see that happen because we've, we've got some other obligations. Forget the new Green Deal, $94 trillion in, which we can't afford in 10 years, or Medicare for all, $52 trillion in 10 years. We can't afford any of this. You, the best hope we have is energy, and we have enough of it. Uh, thank you, Keith. We're looking out for you in 285 days. Big time, A.J. Houston, Texas. What's going on, baby? Big time, Sean Hannity. What's going on, Big Daddy? What's new going year, on, my friend? Way. Come on. Hey, what we got is a ball of confusion, and the confusion is all on the Democrat side. I mean, it's a joke what we're watching. And what Obama did, Martin Luther King turning in his grave, what about content of character? What about when Martin Luther King was bringing everybody together? And then they set back and watch Obama destroy and divide the country and now want to blame Donald Trump. For me, Sean, big time Trump has brought God back. He didn't bring jobs back. And really, if it wasn't for that fake news, the country wouldn't be divided anymore because we would have healed everything. Obama got uh, under him. Police start getting killed. I mean, you can go on and on and on. Everybody know. And then we got Obama running around, bowing to everybody. Look what Trump did. Brung everything back in the Middle East. Got people wanting to do business with the United States. That means jobs. I mean, come on, Sean. We, I mean, and the Democrats not helping at all. President Trump did this by himself. And we wait and we the Republicans better come on with it because we we watching big time, Sean. And what do you think about like the debate we had the last hour? I mean, do you, do you see that now, you know, decades of Democratic liberal socialist rule in America's biggest cities not exactly worked out for minorities in America, has it now all of a sudden Donald Trump's president conservative policies are working, and he's setting record after record after record, helping every demographic group in, in America. Uh, and thank God, because we're one big, happy, hopefully, American family. And we want everybody to have a chance at success and, and happiness and, a, and living in a, a nice home and a nice neighborhood with safety and security, good schools, good car to drive. Take your trip, your vacation, wherever you go every year and have a good time, a good life. Exactly. And big time, Sean, the way that's going to happen, all American people vote these Democrats out because they're not helping the country at all. We got an election coming up and it's a big time election. We got to get the House back for sure. And we can cut because, you know, they're going to keep on trying, uh, uh, Sean. They, I mean, Maxine Waters said that even if we get, if Trump get reelected, they're going to keep on doing it. So let's get that house back so we can have the power to cut the Democrats' legs out from up under them big time. Because we, this country is thriving, Big Daddy, and all races are doing great. But you won't hear it from the fake news. You notice they won't never tell how great the economy is when you look at the news. And guess, uh, uh, Schumer. We're one glorious, we're one glorious American family. <laughs> One glorious nation under God, and together, what, we'll make America safer again, prosperous again, uh, great again. You know, I mean, the way the president closes out his rallies. What I want that. Does everybody else want that? That's what I want. 
I want that for everybody. You know, as a former dishwasher and, uh, you know, short order cook and house painter, I, I want everybody to have the shot that I've had in life. Everybody to have the dreams come true. And, and it doesn't have to come by empowering a group of power hungry people to, to take from one group of people and, and redistribute it, basically crumbs to another group of people. And those all of those promises are unsustainable. All right, big time. You're the best. We're counting on you getting Houston out for the big vote in 285 days. North Carolina, another swing state. We have Rick standing by. What's up, Rick? How are you? Glad you called, sir. Hey, good afternoon, uh, Mr. Hannity. Sure appreciate what you do. Uh, thank you. And I can't do it without you. God bless you. And we're going to need you in North Carolina. As a matter of fact, first up on election night in 285 days, the first state we'll be paying attention to is North Carolina. Uh, don't worry about it. We got we got our backs here. We, we've got it covered. But uh, anyway, appreciate you living your American dream. It does benefit us. I was listening to that kid you were talking about uh, to the other day. It was a couple of days ago. That that kid's pretty impressive. I hope he uh, follows in your footsteps. Yeah, I so, know he wants my job. I'm not even. I don't even have a foot in the grave yet. This kid wants me. You know, he wants <laughs> push me out of the way, throw me in the grave, and take over my whole. You know, everything I do in life. I'm like, thanks a lot, kid. I'll give yeah, me a couple right. more you years. About the same age. Someday these kids are gonna have to take over for us anyway. So if they're good kids like that, let's do it, man. Yeah, that's true. It's you know what? You know, you get to the point in life if you're the same age as me where it really doesn't matter about you anymore. It just doesn't. And I know I'm. I'm not giving you a cliche. At some point, it does become about your kids. I don't I don't have grandkids, but you think, all right, maybe one day I'll have grandkids, future generations, the country that we grew up in, the, an, an opportunity society, you know, based on liberty and freedom and uh, self-evident truths that all men are created equal. We're all endowed by our creator, that this is providential. This is God's hand over America. And, and we've been blessed beyond measure. We've, we've made the world a better place because of our prosperity. I don't know, just sh- at some point, doesn't it shift? Well, it, it needs to. And, and uh, you know, especially if we're, we're for godly people. You know, I'm a pastor down here. And, and uh, you know, I was, I was reading a morning devotion here, and I, I just couldn't help but Trump. And, you know, his comportment throughout all this measure that has been going on has just been, uh, you know, it's just been impressive. And, and for my fellow Christians out there, uh, you know, let me give you some advice for those of you that struggle with Trump. And, you know, in, in Proverbs 28, the, you know, it opens up, it says, the wicked run when no one is chasing them. But an honest person is as brave as a lion. And I got to tell you, Trump has been as brave as a lion through all of this, and he has comported himself in, in such a way. Uh, Greg Gutfeld, the other day, I, he kind of stole my words, but he was right on. He says, you know, we don't deserve this president. You know, we, didn't, we did not hire a pastor. Um, you know, let us that are pastors be pastors, but let those that are, you know, in position of leadership be strong and brave as a lion. And that's the kind of stuff that he's been doing, man. I mean, you know, he's, he's out there talking in, I don't know if it was Milwaukee or Minneapolis, but He's up there talking about shower heads for crying out loud. That we need better shower heads. I mean, he he's you know he's yeah. You know about why? Because he's right. They put in all these. Uh, by the way, I've taken the washers out of shower heads because you get you, you know you get a trickle. I'm like, well, come on. I'm, I call my plumber friend up. I'm like, buddy. I'm like, can you come over and fix this piece of crap you put in here? Oh, get me a real shower head. Get me one that actually gives me a little water. I can't even you get know, the soap out of my hair. Think about that. That's what's amazing to me. <laughs> oh, man. You know, then you have the low-flow toilets. Yeah, good luck flushing your low-flow toilet. That's unbelievable. But you're right. This is all. This, that's all government crap that they pile on us. Burdens of, you know, this is living. Of course we're going to be good stewards of our air and water and resources. But, jeez, 
These people are nuts. No more cars. No more combustion engine, internal combustion engine. No more. No more planes. No more cows. Cows have flatulence. It's hurting the environment. I'm like, oh, my gosh. What's happened to these people? They've all lost their minds. All right, loaded up tonight. Full, complete coverage of the Schumer Shift Sham show and the utter disaster. It's blowing up in their face. Lindsey Graham. We'll check in with a great one. Mark Levin, Trey Gowdy tonight, Pam Mondi, and Alan Dershowitz from the president's teams. All those details, 9 Eastern on Fox. See you then at 9. Back here tomorrow. As always, thank you for being with us.